Welcome to the Replant Podcast, providing biblical insight and encouragement to reclaim declining and dying churches for the glory of God and the good of our communities. Hey guys, welcome to the Replant Podcast. I'm the Associate Director, Bob Bickford, and I am joined by Mark Clifton, who's the Senior Director of Replant. Mark. Hey, thank you, Bob. It's good to be with you today here in the sub-basement uh, of, of uh, Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary that have given us the uh, the janitor closet today. To be. <laughs> no, not really. It really is. It's it's a nice place, and they, they gave us this wonderful space to do these podcasts with some great Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary celebrity types. Well, would you introduce our uh, special guest? Well, none of them could make it. <laughs> so instead, we were able to get Jared. He was just kind of hanging out the door, looking in here. He saw it was yeah. a podcast, and he was really wanting to be on it. So yeah. Jared Wilson, we're just grateful to have you here hey, with I'm us. I'm glad. I was looking for a mop in the closet <laughs> at the right moment. <laughs> you guys pulled me in. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. No, man. I, really. Thanks to Midwestern for giving us this space. Thank you for giving us this time, mainly for giving time to the guys, uh, uh, seven or eight guys who listen to this and uh, and are blessed by it. But um, man, we got an important topic to talk about today. You know, our the, the lane that God's called Bob and I to run in is replanting of dying churches. But the topic we're going to talk about today is true in any church situation. But particularly in a replant, when you show up and there are some older members there who have been through some very difficult times and have had some really poor leadership, um, they can be difficult sheep to shepherd. And so um, we talk about sometimes what happens when the sheep bite back. Right. Take that and go with it, my friend. <laughs> when sheep bite. Well, I, you know, it's a it's another cliche, I think, not necessarily in the church world, but just generally speaking, that hurt people hurt people. And so just in, in general, um, you know, I found it important to, as a pastor, when you have sort of the disgruntled or just the, the um, irascible or, or, or irritated church member who just can't seem to control themselves and, and either... Um, accusation or just complaints, just general complaints, that sort of thing, to kind of take a step back because the first response or my first sort of inclination is to, you know, um, be irritated back at them. But to have a little bit of patience and maybe try to s- seek to understand that that's coming from someplace, it's coming from somewhere. And, you know, obviously, um, you know, there are sinful expressions there that that ought to be addressed in many cases. But in 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 the case of, for instance, older members, um, I have learned um, in my time in, in ministry that um, a lot of times it's just sort of the 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 speed of change. Sometimes, right. um, you know, I, I'm not an old man, but I'm getting older, and every year it's a little more difficult to adjust to things that are changing, or and I feel a little more out of touch. I have teenage daughters, so they help me uh, just see just how out of touch I am <laughs> <laughs> on a daily basis. So I'm just imagining even like 20 years from now how much more difficult it will be to see things change. And then when you add in just church life and how important church is to older saints. Um, yeah, you talk, know, talk to me about that a minute. I yeah. don't think young people fully understand how the church becomes a different kind of a support structure to an older person as opposed to a younger person. Can you can you kind of describe that a little bit? Yeah, well, I mean, it's the combination, first of all, of just the, uh, the longevity. I mean, it's not just the age, but you know, someone who's been in a church for a long time, their identity is even more wrapped up in that community because all their relationships are built in there and, and um, you know, maybe they've lost a spouse or they've lost friends. And, and so you just, 
as each milestone passes, you're more and more not just embedded in the community, but it becomes part of who you are. And so younger people, I think, um, may not struggle necessarily with, um, you know, equating the, uh, um, you know, church, you know, a specific church community as part of their identity, but they can identify on some level with having a passion for the church or that sort of thing. But they just are a little more nimble, younger people are, in terms of the speed of change or, or um, you know, seeing how a church could adapt or contextualize and that sort of thing. Whereas older folks, it um, because their identity is so wrapped up in specific communities, especially if they've been there a long time, they take change a little more, you know, um, a little more personally. Um, it's not just, oh, we're changing what we're doing, um, but you're sort of changing who we are. Mm. Okay. And I think that's true for anybody. If you're you, you just the idea of changing who we are is pretty painful sometimes. All right. Now, when you talk about older older saints in a church uh, who've got a pattern of doing things the way they've always done them, um, sometimes those patterns are not biblical, and the way they view church leadership is not biblical, um, and that brings its own set of problems and difficulties. How, how would a, you? coach a young pastor who goes to a church and their view of what the pastor does is really not biblical. Uh, how do you coach him uh, to take his first year or two? What should he do when he gets there? Yeah, I would say in the first year or two that um, unless there is, uh, you know, the change to be made is actually addressing a specific sin. You know, there's just something that, um, you know, we're in rank disobedience to God if we don't do this. But if you're talking about um, polity, you're talking about, um, you know, things that, um you know, require um, structural changes, that sort of thing. I would just advise to move slowly, to be cautious, and to begin with simple uh, preaching of the word and spending time, you know, relational time with these folks. Um, you know, obviously some are just going to dig, you know, heels in. It doesn't matter how long you take or how much you preach. They're not going to change, period. And and that's an act of defiance. You know, that's, um, you know, actual uh, rebellion. But others, I think, if you put the time in, they come to trust you. And certainly, I think, you know, true saints, when you show them in the Word, this is something. Um, I went to a very small church, uh, rural church in Vermont, uh, about eight years ago. Um, the average age of the pot, you know, of the um, of the church membership uh, was probably mid 60s, so it was an older, um, you know, congregation when I got there. By God's grace, we were much younger um, by the time I transitioned out. Um, but that's what I did. I just, you know, sought to preach faithfully and just show up, visitation, and mm-hmm. and um, you know, be present. And what I discovered is when you actually begin to show folks in the scriptures, right? Now, if they want to argue, they got to argue with the Bible. Right. So if you're showing them, this is what a pastor is. This is why we need multiple pastors in our church. This is why plurality of eldership is important, all these things. And you're not just sort of arguing for it for the sake of change, or it sounds like it's for the sake of change. We know it's not. Right. But in their minds, it you know, unless you can reason with them actually from the scriptures and take the time to sort of spiritually speaking, take their hand and show them in the Bible. And I, you know, I found that um, as I took the time to to demonstrate the biblical importance of these things, um, that we won the acceptance of the older guard there because in their mind, well, if the Bible says it, right. I guess we ought to do it. And that's true. In, in most replants in the Southern Baptist Convention, one of the things we have going for us that other mainline denominations don't is that when you show up at a place that needs to be replanted or revitalized, majority of those people are at least going to tell you they believe the Bible from front to back. And so we always say, well, if you're a replanter, then just start with the Bible and stay with the Bible. They already say they believe it. And so that's exactly what what we encourage them to do. What about when they 
sometimes they lash out at you. You know, they, they've got some, you mentioned a minute ago, kind of try to figure out where that pain's coming from. They've got some, some hurt. They've got some disappointments in their life. You know, the writer of Ecclesiastes refers to old age as, uh, uh, you know, remember the doors in the days of your youth before the evil days come. That's right. And it's evil growing old. You, you lose your mobility. You lose your friends. You lose your job. Uh, you lose your eyesight. Uh, you lose the ability to know how to make a telephone call anymore. You know, there's all <laughs> kinds of things you lose. Um, you can't sleep. You know, even the writer of Ecclesiastes says you wake at the sound of a bird. You know, that's why... Elderly people get up at five in the morning and go to McDonald's. <laughs> you know, right, right. I mean, they, they can't sleep. You know, all kinds of things change, um, and sometimes that that exhibits itself in in they'll lash out, they'll become temperamental, um, and man, it is important that a pastor not take that personal. So yeah. talk to me about how you don't take because it's hard not to. These are right. your church members, right? right? These people that shake your hand on the way, I go, oh preacher, that was a great sermon, and they call you on Monday, and they want to come see you. And uh, they've got some some burr under their saddle about something, and they're going to lay it on you. How do you not take that personal? Yeah, well, I mean, there's sometimes where you you, you do because it is personal. There mm-hmm. is, you know, the the remarks are not simply that they disagree with what you're saying or what you're trying to do, mm-hmm. um, but the way they express that is actually to say that you don't know what you're talking about, or you're a bad pastor, or you're too young to have, you know, right. the knowledge. You know, so you know, on some level, it's impossible, you know, to not take it personally. But in order to react, I think, in pastoral ways, um, again, to kind of get at the root. Okay, where is this coming from? On on the surface, um, it sounds like it's about me, but at its root, it may not be. Right. Now, it it might be about me, and we need to discern that out. But a lot of times, it's it's not. And you know, so I think you learn that by actually asking good questions, spending more time. I found for um, you know some of the older folks that um, you know they changed in terms of like I won their allegiance simply by investing in them and spending some time with them, and so I, I earned their trust. And when you earn trust, right, you can you know begin to write bigger and bigger checks. It's even in terms of change. Um, but then there are those who, um, they haven't been discipled well. Um, you know, they don't have discernible fruit of the Spirit. Um, you may even begin to question, you know, if they are actually believers because of that lack. <laughs> well, I get there. that question a lot. What, yeah. if, what if I find out, you know, what if I, it looks as though they're not even regenerate. They're not even, yeah. you know, do you confront them with that? Oh, I think so, especially if they're a member of the church, just like you would, um, you know, someone of any age, older, younger, what have you. Um, you know, if it becomes an issue of, um, you know, the church has formally uh, affirmed this person's statement of faith, and mm-hmm. now that has been brought into question, uh, you at least have the very beginnings of the process of church discipline, which would begin not necessarily with the church formally moving to excommunicate someone, but uh, a loving, gentle uh, confrontation of that issue. Hey, you know, the way that you're behaving, the, you know, the division that you're actually causing or the, you know, the harm that you're causing me personally with these accusations, um, I'd like you to explain that and explain how that's in keeping with someone who claims to be a follower of Christ. And if that had been done previously, years ago, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in now. That's right. And so many of the replanting issues are because of uh, poorly planting to begin with. I haven't thought through this entirely, but someone said, and I think I agree with it, there isn't a single problem in the church that can't be solved by church discipline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard, I've heard another fellow say Including that. Including the leaking roof? Or? <laughs> that there weren't, uh, you know, some problems in the church that could be solved by a few people dying. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's true. Uh, we just, yeah, well, we've got to be careful about that. I always say, you know, we're one cold season away from not being here anymore. I so, uh, Mark, one of the questions that, that I have thought about is sometimes the 
the attacks are on you as a pastor and you personally, your leadership, or they get personalized. But sometimes they're on your family, mm. on your spouse, or your kids. How do you handle that? Well, okay. I, I, talk about personally. I, I went to the church recently, now you know, a year or so ago, uh, and one of the elderly gentlemen came up to me and said, "You are one fat guy," and uh, it wasn't pleasant. You know, I said, "Well, I guess your eyesight's still good, <laughs> and and uh, you know how to speak truth." Um, sometimes older people lose. I think in in a bit of them. Sometimes in a bit of dementia, they lose what they normally would have as a filter. Yeah. yeah. And so I think we got to be aware of that. I don't think he probably would have said that. Well, he wouldn't have said it 20 years ago because I wasn't big 20 years ago, but he, he probably wouldn't have said it that way. And so I wanted to bring that up. Sometimes I think we just need to be sensitive that some yeah. of this can be a bit of dementia and we got to be very patient with that uh, for sure. But now when they, you know, when they talk to your family and talk about yeah. your family, absolutely. Jared, what do you, what do you say about that? It, well, you know, that is the hardest thing to not take personally. Um, and for me, it's it's sort of um, be, not just because it's my family, but because it's someone, um, you know, speaking an accusation or, or a complaint against another person. So whether it was my family or, or someone else, I'm more direct on that. So I would tend to err on more patience, um, if that's the right word, or just sort of giving them a longer leash if it's about me. But if it's about someone else in the church, and obviously if it's about my wife or about my children, but anyone else in the church, that's something that I try to you know address as directly as I can, is to say, why would you make this complaint to me about them? Um, and if it's something that's um, a concern, I mean, I, you know, one of the weigh the difference between we're concerned that your wife did da, 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 or, mm-hmm. uh, or your wife is a whatever, like those are two different sorts of things. Yeah. And they may both be offensive to me, but they're offensive on, in, in different ways. The concern I can address. Okay. Well, here's my response to that and mm-hmm. see what their response is. Um, and then, you know, caution them about how, you know, painful that can be. Um, you know, when, when they hired me, they hired me as their pastor. My wife doesn't have a job in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe there's some expectation there of what a pastor's wife is supposed to do or that they have hired her or she is obligated to them in some way that, um, you know, that they're confused about, but we are not. And so I want to alleviate that confusion right. about what exactly her obligations are right. you know, to the church. Um, but eventually, you know, I, you know, I just want to point back to the gospel. To say, you know, what Paul talks about in his portraits of what a, uh, a gospel-oriented church, you know, look like. Romans 12.10, that we're to outdo one another showing honor. Uh, and Romans 15, that we're to bear with the failings of the weak, that we're to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. And to say, how exactly does your concern or your complaint serve my wife? Mm-hmm. And how does it serve the church? Are, are you saying these things to other people? Now, is that actually leading them to have a certain perception about my wife and about my family? Do you understand the burden that that would put on on our family as we seek to lead and, you know, to do so in a way that is joyful and not in a way that's burdensome? And a lot of people, I mean, they just don't know what it's like, you know. Um, You know, pastors tend to know, sometimes they can forget, but they tend to know what it's like to be on either side because you've been a layperson at some point. But, you know, lay people or the average congregant really doesn't know what it's like to kind of carry that anxiety for the church that that all good pastors have. Um, and so sometimes maybe, you know, showing that a little bit or explaining that yeah. can help. I think that's really wise counsel. I hope guys really heard that and listened to it. You you took the scripture and you responded to their accusation, even about your family, scripturally. And how does how does this 
edify the body? How does it build up the body? How does it build up you? How does it build up her? I think that's very wise, Jared, as opposed to just being defensive and saying, well, no, she's not. And, and so are you. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> well, I mean, again, you know, something that we haven't yet touched on, but, you know, these things as you, you begin to, you know, these things as you begin to address them, the author of Hebrew, uh, not the author of Hebrews, uh, Paul uh, to Titus is saying, when you have someone who's actually stirring up the vision, mm-hmm. like they're bringing up these complaints, mm-hmm. you're trying to address them in good faith and they're just digging it. They're unrepentant with these things or they're not seeking to understand. He says, look, you give them a couple times with these warnings and then you have nothing to do with right. them. Mm-hmm. So w- we're not left, you know, with this sort of ambiguity about what you do with divisive people, unrepentantly exactly. divisive people. Right. And we have to look at eventually we have to look at protecting the body. That's right. Uh, and we and that's that's a hard call to make sometimes because it means we do have to in, engage in church discipline for the glory of God and for the protection of that individual uh, himself actually. Yeah, sometimes as pastors are bitten, they bite back. Yeah, you ever you ever make that mistake, and how do you deal with that? And that's a that's a that's a double sword. You know, you've been hurt, and then you hurt back, and wrestle with that. Yeah. And I think for me, it's, it's most common when it's someone who is sort of the, the, you know, the, um, the serial biter, yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes when it's someone that I didn't expect it, or if it's the first time I'm such in shock that uh-huh. I do it, you know, it's like the kid in the nursery that has been bitten yeah. who continues to bite others. Right? Right. And at some point you're just sort of like, you know, I guess I just got to give them a taste of their own medicine. That sort of thing. But when it, you know, when it's someone's first time or someone I didn't expect, usually I'm so shocked that I do want to know like, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. I do sort of, you know, I'm, I'm a little slow on, on, on the trigger, but when it's somebody who just, it's one thing after another, I'm thinking of one particular, you know, incident that I won't give too many details on, but it it got to the point where I said, look, you know, this is such a constant thing that if you really have this sort of concern or complaint about me, you're now pushing into whether I'm qualified, right? Because this is an ongoing concern for you about me and my stance on this issue. And so you're essentially asking me to prove my qualification to you. And at this point, I really think you should take this to the elders. Yeah. You really, so it was almost like I was in a way calling their bluff or at least just, you know, almost pushing the nuclear option. Like essentially what you're saying is I should be disciplined Mm -hmm. and I want to be open to that if that's the case. So why don't you take this complaint, you know, to the other elders, at which point they demurred and I never heard it about it. Yeah, but boy, you swerved into the truth there. Yeah. What if you didn't have elders? Yeah. What if you were the only guy? And what if there was a board, uh, you know, a church council or a deacon board that wasn't elders that could ride shot over you. I mean, that that's that's where a lot of guys. You're right. The plurality of elders is there to protect that and protect the flock from yeah. things like that. Well, you know, I think you know, case by case, a matter of discernment. Um, you know, if you're really um, you know following God's call to institute a biblical health to a particular church. You're in a replanting situation, for instance, which is the context of what we're talking about here. And there isn't that, that you know, you, you haven't established elders yet, or there's just... So if you do have some recourse, I think that you would, you know, appeal to that. Well, let's, you know, talk this through, um, you know, with whatever deacon board or leadership council or whatever we have, not necessarily saying whatever they say is what'll go, but let's bring this into the open a little bit. Let's bring it into the light a little bit. So it's not just me and you, let's get some more input. Um, But I think there are situations, especially if they can't show you in the scriptures that what you are doing or what you've said or whatever their complaint is, if they can't show you in the scriptures 
um, you know, that you should you know, be disqualified. I think there are plenty of instances and most instances where you would say, you know, this church becoming healthy requires me in this sense to stand my ground and it's me or you. And it's actually going to be you who has to leave Mm -hmm. because I'm not going anywhere. Right. Right. That is a real stand that a lot of pastors have never seen taken or are uh, possibly uh, a little bit fearful of taking. Yeah. Well, we're afraid of split. We know it's always a tragic thing when a church splits or divides or when so, you know, when something like that happens or we, when you run that risk, it's always tragic, but it doesn't always, uh, it's not always wrong. Um, you know, you know, sometimes these kind of divisions are actually how health occurs because something toxic or something bad is being cut away. Even if they're sort of leaving with, you know, shaking their fist and you wish that wouldn't happen. You wish they would have repented. You wish they would have gotten on board, whatever it is. And you're sad also to be losing people, all these sorts of things, especially when you're trying to, you know, pick up momentum and and build the place. And then you have this, you know, um, this group leave or a chunk of people leave. Um, in the long run, it's actually better for the church's health. Absolutely. The body gets healthier. The leader becomes wiser. Well, and you talk about calling their bluff. Uh, sometimes they know that, you know, if they push this too far, a split would be the outcome. Right. And they think you either won't, you'll leave before that happens. You don't want to split the church. So, and, and they've used that, they've played that split card before. Yeah. And then the pastor leaves and then they get what they want and then they're empowered. And so at some point, some biblical leader has to put a stop to that. That's right. And there may be a split to pay. I mean, we don't want that to happen by any means. You know, don't get that out on this podcast. We don't want that to happen. What we do want is a biblical church where the body is uh, protected and God's glorified and, yeah. and the community is made knows who Jesus is. And if that takes some rough passages, it does. But a, a pastor can't go through that alone. I mean, no. you can't do that in isolation. No. I mean, I, I can tell you that my biggest regrets, um, as I look back um, in my time in pastoral ministry, my biggest regrets had to do with my um, passivity when it came to conflict and some of those issues. And, you know, one particular instance where um, I should have addressed something much earlier than I did. And the reason that I didn't or the reason that I sort of excused and said I was being patient, said I was being gentle when really I was just being passive and cowardly. Mm -hmm. um, Because I was reasoning at the time, well, if I move to excommunicate or at least, you know, ask the, you know, the church to proceed with formal discipline on this particular person, I'm going to lose these other people around them. Right. Well, three years later, I was thinking, man, it actually would have been better if I had lost all those people mm-hmm. that I was concerned yeah. about losing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we wouldn't be having this problem that we do today. It just compounded the issue. It didn't, right. it didn't solve anything. Right. Good word. All right, man. Well, man, I thank you for being with us today. Thanks for having me. I really do. It's always good to have you with us and uh, it's good to be here at Midwestern. And man, uh, you can get so much insight from the different resources and blogs and books. And you've got a, a new book, right? That's right. The Imperfect Disciple just Tell came me out. about that. Yeah. Well, it's a, a book that sort of tweaks the um, uh, leadership, discipleship, industrial complex. So for those of us who... <laughs> <laughs> what, what on earth no. is that? <laughs> hey, I, I, can, I can tell you exactly okay. what it is. It's man. a discipleship book for people who don't tend to like discipleship books. I, I like that. that. That's good. <laughs> you feel more burdened after you read a discipleship yes. book. Well, mine um, you know, has all the typical things you'd expect about the spiritual disciplines and pursuing holiness and all this sort of thing, but just keeps orienting people around the gospel. Mm-hmm. So no fill in the blanks, no... No. And it's also, for, out of all my books, it's the most sort of personal and is written in a more sort of... Of creative nonfiction style. Great. So it's a different approach. We'll put a link to it on our uh, Replanters website because really discipleship is one of the key ways that we replant dying churches. And a lot of guys 
this won't come as a surprise to you. They don't have a clue what it means to really be a disciple or make disciples because no one's ever discipled them That's effectively. Right. So Right. So Jared is uh, with Midwestern Seminary for the church, leads communications uh, for them, uh, author, pastor, church member, good guy. <laughs> That's right. And has been bitten by sheep. That's true. Has been, but and, doesn't bite back. And survived. <laughs> survived. Well, we want to thank you, Jared and Mark, you for joining us on the Replant Podcast. As always, check out more replanting resources at churchreplanters.com and nam.net. We'll catch you guys once again. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Replant Podcast, a resource of the Send Network of the North American Mission Board. For more information, visit churchreplanters.com.